A huge fine for a big-name government contractor, a flood of interest for the next great government-wide acquisition contract, and despite all the challenges with federal procurement in the market, there's a lot of optimism about where agencies and contractors are heading. That's just some of what's going on in procurement, and to help us unpack the latest, Federal News Network's executive editor Jason Miller joins me now in studio. And Jason, let's start with that big fine. Yeah, this was a whistleblower case, and it's really all the buzz now, isn't it? It very much is, Tom, and I think the reason why is because of the, the amount of money. And in this case, the Justice Department is, is saying Booz Allen Hamilton is settling allegations. I want to be clear here, settling allegations. There's no omission of guilt. we got to be clear of that. They're paying, if you will, a fine has agreed to pay $377.4 million. This is probably, Tom, one of the largest False Claims Act settlements we've seen in at least a decade or more. I did a little bit of research and, and saw some of the law firms, and they talk about False Claim Act settlements, the biggest one, for instance, being a $2 billion fine levied against GlaxoSmithKline, but that's on healthcare side. When you talk about procurement and federal acquisition, I don't remember too many that are going to be above this $377 million. Right, and this was a whistleblower case, and that whistleblower will be someone who can sail away if they so choose. They, they are a former Booz Allen employee, and they are going to set to receive about $69.8 million in connection to this settlement. And what's interesting about this, of course, their lawyers will get some and they'll have to pay taxes on some, but they're going to walk away with a pretty penny. And it all comes back to this idea that the allegations that Booz Allen was charging the government for money that should have been on other contracts, meaning they said, well, our potentially our person or our employee traveled to Mexico or to New Mexico for something and said that's a that's charge the federal, but they really should charge their commercial client or their a different client. That happened for a 10-year span from 2011 to 2021, according to the Justice Department. That's a no-no. And if there's one thing the government doesn't like is you don't lie to them and you don't uh, overcharge them. Yeah, well, those key TAM cases can be costly and they do happen with some regularity. The overall payments, I think, are down to about $2 billion in the last year, the Justice Department is reporting, but it's a steady state thing. It is, and I think that's one of the things that's interesting is the Biden administration has been, I would say, less aggressive when it comes to key TAM lawsuits and whistleblower or False Claims Act type lawsuits than maybe previous administrations have. And I think that $2 billion number is way down from more than $5 billion. But what I've seen over the last, I'll say, year, year and a half, Tom, and I'll be really interested to see what the 2023 numbers look like, they've gotten more aggressive. There's another False Claims Act settlement that I'll just highlight as well. And this is, again, another settlement from a company called 4C Results. They agreed to pay about $7 million to resolve allegations that, again, they violated the False Claims Act by falsely representing that they use a methodology of the American Customer Satisfaction Index, ACSI, to measure customer satisfaction. This stems back to a contract from 2011 with something called the Federal Consulting Group, which is actually part of the Interior Department. And uh, basically, they said we would use this American Customer Satisfaction Index in the end. The allegations were that they didn't, and they settled this. So, again, another really interesting False Claims Act. Again, the whistleblower here sure. won't receive as much as the first one, but they'll receive uh, about a million dollars or so. All right, and let's shift gears here for a moment. This next big acquisition contract, GSA's Oasis Plus vehicle, and they asked for comments, and boy, did they get them. They released the request for information about a month ago, month and a half ago now, and as of July 14th, they had over 4,500 questions. 
Tom, you say, well, that's that seems like a lot. Remember, there's six RFPs that they released at the same time, you know, unrestricted, women-owned business, hub-zone business, so all the socioeconomic categories. But if you break it down, that's about seven, 800 questions per RFP. That, that's a lot to answer. And I think it just shows you the interest in the community about for this Oasis Plus professional services, multiple award contract that GSA is putting out there. GSA says they will release the Q&A answers, the answers in, in batches in the coming weeks. And obviously, they'll notify industry through SAM.gov and o- uh, the Oasis Plus Interact community site that GSA has. And, and again, I, I think what's key here, Tom, is because the bids are not due till mid-September, roughly September 13th. I could almost put a dollar on the table here, Tom, and tell you, I bet they'll get a little bit of, there'll be an extension or two or three. Sounds like it. Just based on all these questions and answers that they're going to have to put out. And no using chat GPT to answer the questions either. But you can use chat GPT to ask the questions if you like. Yeah, that's true too, yeah. But I think the the real piece here is how much interest there is. And that really is good, but it's also paves the way for concerns about protests and the like that could come with Oasis Plus. And I know GSA is doing try to get ahead of those concerns, but uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. And the, the, this fall, as the, the answers come out, we'll have plenty to, to follow. And federal acquisition people themselves, generally speaking, they're pretty positive about their jobs, where their agencies are going. This is from a survey. This is the Professional Services Council did their biannual acquisition survey. It's the 21st year they've done this. And basically, they've talked to about 200 different people in the federal market, uh, 13 agencies, all contracting officers and folks in the acquisition world. And just to get their take their temperature, what do you see? What What's important? What's hard? And while, of course, budget challenges is, is the first thing that comes up and what's going to happen with Congress and are they going to pass a budget? Are we going to get a CR? What's going to happen? And that's there's no answer there. There is a lot of positivity going on. And in fact, there's growth in the federal acquisition workforce, uh, though it's still very challenging to hire people to ensure that they're trained well, but they're seeing good growth. One person commented, when and if we return to the office, not sure where we will sit because we don't have enough room for everybody. And that's actually a really good sign that at least there's some growth in the acquisition workforce because for years, Tom, as you know, that has uh, been a huge issue. The other thing that the PSC survey pointed out that I'll just highlight, and it goes back to our Oasis Plus conversation, is they asked the question, how beneficial is each of the following acquisition strategies to achieve your mission? Number one, rank number one was multi-agency contracts. So an Oasis Plus not only is very popular from the industry side, it's also very popular from the government side. They yeah, it like saves these, lots of time. Saves time. And and they also said longer-term contracts gives you more ability to deal with the budget challenges and, and sure. other challenges. What's on the low end? Mentor-protege programs. It was very interesting. The joint ventures mentor-protege, they, they were not as excited for that for mission outcomes. They did also give a lot of credit, which I was surprised for, Tom, about category management and spend under management. Less excited for best-in-class vehicles. Because, Tom, as you know, if you're not best-in-class, what are you? You're man class. You're, <laughs> you're no man. good in class. That's right. Or you're the worst. You're or the you're, worst in class. Or you're truant. <laughs> we got to work on that name. All right. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. And be sure to check out his stories at federalnewsnetwork.com.